Welcome to Diary of an Unemployed Actor with me, Milo Dennison. Today I'm speaking with Tommy McDonald, and as you can see by the title that got you to this episode, we talk about the adult film industry, or porn if you prefer. So Tommy is a producer of films, a director, he has a podcast on the subject, so he's been in the industry for around 9 or 10 years now, and he is uh, very informative in regards to what goes into making a film, differences between countries, uh, regulations, that type of stuff, working with performers, and um, some of the changes in the industry as well, thanks to the Me Too movement and more openness about um, working conditions. We don't swear or get graphic or anything like that, but we do have a quick discussion about Mayo genitalia. And, um, you know, this this is an episode on porn, right? So if you are offended by the subject or you're listening with someone who you think might be offended by the subject, this might be one we're skipping or perhaps putting earphones in. I think it's very informative and hopefully will be informative to you as well. So with that, sit back and enjoy my discussion with Tommy McDonald. This is an interesting subject because I've certainly spoken to plenty of people in what's considered more mainstream media, film, actors, writers, that kind of stuff. But you're in the adult film or porn industry. So yeah. uh, first of all, how did you get started in that business? Um, it was quite strange, actually. I was just living in London. Um, I was working in media anyway, but um, more in journalism. Um and it's just so expensive to live in London. I thought porn would be easy money as a side gig. I started um, making just like homemade sex videos with a friend and we just selling them online. I think at the time it was like the cost of film production had just plummeted and the cost of distributing online had just got really cheap. Like before that you needed more money. Um, and yeah, it just blew up, just completely blew up. Um, and it became like a main business. Since then, I learned that porn is not easy money. It's not a rich industry, um, but it's a fun one. Are you, You're not in London now, though? No, I live in Budapest now. Oh, okay. It's Budapest and Prague are kind of the LA of Europe for porn. Really? Oh, why, yeah, why is yeah. that? Is it just restrictions on the industry by the government? I, I would say so. At the time I moved because there were a lot of anti-porn laws coming in in the UK um, and I just felt the environment was hostile. So yeah, uh, in Budapest and Prague, they've become like centers. So if you're there, you benefit because you save a lot of costs. You don't have to fly models to you. They all do tours there. Um, there's friendly locations where you can film if you need them. Um, there's just the infrastructure that you need because um, people can get quite precious about the fact it's porn. It's like, no one minds you filming. No one minds you renting an Airbnb and having sex in the Airbnb. But if you have a camera, <laughs> suddenly it's disgusting. <laughs> it's it, it is interesting though, because I'm from the US originally and I live in London. And London seems to me to be reasonably liberal on a lot of stuff like that. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's interesting how as you, apparently as you go farther East, the, the laws get a little bit more open-minded about that industry. Yeah. The, the laws are more open-minded as you go East. It's just, they've got a very pro-business environment in Hungary. Taxes are extremely low and, you know, so long as you're not bothering anyone, everything's fine. 
but weirdly, socially, they're extremely conservative here. Hmm. So whereas in the UK, I think we're socially very liberal, but the laws are so Puritan. Yeah, they're very dated, I would say, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, we still have like the Church of England sitting in the House of Lords and making our laws. So, so let's go into like the production of a porn film. So when you are putting together a film, because there's there's certainly different levels. There's the more like higher end, full on mm-hmm. renting a space, doing stuff, and then there's the shoot it at home kind of stuff. Like what goes into putting on a film and getting one started? So at, I don't know, like fully what level you're at, but let's within your area, like from either kind of pre-production aspect to the the shooting it and stuff. So pre-production, like, you know, do you, do you have a script? Uh, So I can talk about this in a lot of ways. Um, I've seen how my friends work as well. So in different types So the type of porn I did, I describe it more as like vlogging with porn. We try to make everything very natural and very personal. And so you're selling like the model's personality. And then the sex is kind of just like an afterthought. I mean, you can't invent a new type of sex. I find porn pretty boring. So we personally, we aim for like a homemade feel. We wanted to tap into that kind of homemade sex tape market. Um, I don't know if you know, but when something looks real, like a couple just made it themselves. It tends to be more popular than um, kind of heavily produced porn. So that was always our feel was this kind of like illusion of real emotions, illusion of real spontaneous sex. And okay, we're using porn stars a lot of the time, but sometimes amateurs too. But the pre-production is um, literally getting a location and planning the clothes. It's more about planning outfits, I would say. Really? Um, yeah. Because I don't and think just... generally, and <laughs> that's certainly not, not something I would have thought would have been a thought process of shooting a porn film of what people are going to wear. It's the most important because the wow. clothes transform someone, they, they change the whole image, don't they? they can, you can make someone innocent or kind of cool or whatever, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's something we always had a problem with because porn is incredibly low budget. So if you imagine a porn video, the average budget, I would say, is about $3,000 per scene. Wow. And out of that, you've got to pay the model costs, which is like, um, in Europe currently, it's about 1,000 euros for a good model. So most of that's just like eaten up with the model fee, the paying her agent, having a photographer there if you want one, makeup artist. Um, So there isn't even a closed budget. So a lot of the time, it's just working with the model via Skype to see what clothes she has and see if you can make them fit into the style you want on your production. And I'd say that for something like what I do, and I'd say for the vast majority of shoots, that's it. Now that's if we're talking like purely about the porn aspect. And then there's the marketing content, which is all the social media photos, social media videos, and like that's where the effort goes. I'd say, when we were shooting, we would say spend maybe one and a half hours filming sex at the maximum in a whole day. And we spend the rest of the day maybe doing YouTube content, planning social media things. Like now it tends to be TikTok videos. And I don't know if you ever tried making a TikTok video, but 
they're a lot of work. They, it's a huge amount of work for, you know, a 10 second clip. Okay, yeah, no, I don't have the uh, attention span free for TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> and uh, in, in a good way, I would say. But uh, so that's interesting though, because that is, I think a lot of anything like authors and a lot of mainstream films is about promoting it. Actors spend a lot of mm -hmm. their time promoting themselves versus just actually doing the scenes on camera and that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. For me, the porn is an afterthought really. Yeah. That's interesting. Do you cast people based on a certain level of you know, celebrity in the business as well? If you can, like, is it the same as, I mean, you know, like you cast Tom Cruise in a film, right? It's more likely to sell versus somebody nobody's heard of. So it's the opposite. A fresh face sells because she's new. No one's seen her before. But if a model gets big enough and she fits your brand, then she'll sell. Um, so some models will drive sales, almost none will. The main thing is that your sales don't go down when you put her video up. And you're just, there isn't a scientific formula for finding out who drives sales. You just have to try them. Like one model might drive sales for me, but not for another site. And it, it's sometimes a bit inexplicable. You can kind of have a good guess, but it's not even about attractiveness, um, which you think it is. Yeah. Just some models sell and some don't. I, I would say that on my sites, I'd say there's maybe about five models that drive sales in a two-year period. And the rest of them, they just kind of, it's just content that people will watch, but they won't pay for it. Well, I want to get into that because I think money in this industry is an interesting question. So, I mean, there's so many free sites out there. Like if I'm just going to watch a couple of people get it on and, you know, take care of business real quick, I can find that for free pretty easily. So yeah. is it, I mean, how do people really make money on this and what's, what's the value in paying versus just finding something for free? Well, we put the free stuff out there and we get paid on the ads, not as much as we used to. Um, but you know, it's, it's something. Really, we're going for scale, I'd say. The, the free stuff is just advertising. And then we're trying to find those dedicated fans that really love your content. Um, but the porn industry generally is quite poor. I don't know if you know, um, like, typical media finances, but the entire revenue of Pornhub, who own, who are the biggest company in porn, apart from OnlyFans, but they're a bit different. So Pornhub, uh, who own Brazzers, lots of different tube sites, lots of different production studios, uh, is about $450 million, something like that. Okay. It sounds like a lot to me. It's not even a small TV channel. That's true. It's nothing. It's uh, just take any like small media company in the US and... Or single production of a limited series or anything like that. So I guess... To people who think that they're potentially going to get into the industry, make a few quick bucks and get out, that's probably not going to happen. It's kind of easy money. Like you don't have to work that hard to make good money. So especially if you're on the performing side, you show up, you, you know, do a few hours work and then, you know, you go home and you've made what's a week's money for most people but it's probably not going to make you rich. 
unless you've got killer marketing skills. Okay. Is it difficult to find performers? And I noticed you keep calling them models. Is that the appropriate term? Um, models, performers, um, porn stars. I think just whatever you like, really. Okay. I'd say usually they prefer, they would see themselves as performers. Okay. It's like, it's a skill, I think. But it's not hard to find models. Um, generally, it's best to use agencies. Uh, it's just, if you try to find amateur models, then it's a huge amount of work. But with OnlyFans, there's a lot of people that will come from the amateur side into professional um, if you pay them enough. Okay. So you can find people on OnlyFans and say, hey, I like what you're doing here. You want to come over here and you know work in the, in the professional industry a little bit. Yeah, that they would see it as kind of advertising for their OnlyFans. Okay. So just boost their profile. Now explain so. OnlyFans. So it's funny. This is I'm not joking either. Um, this last <laughs> Christmas I was visiting family and I won't call out any family members, but a friend of mine, or a, actually a family member, a friend of his, yeah, was basically he he got a really nice brand new truck. And I'm like, Jesus, what what does he do? Like I mean, that's a nice ride right now, especially with cost of vehicles in the US. And he's like, Oh, well, his wife is on OnlyFans. And I'm like, what I've heard of what what is OnlyFans? And they looked at me like, like, are you joking? And I'm like, No, I I mean, I've heard of it. I know now, because of course everybody explained it to me like I'm an idiot. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, explain OnlyFans. Yeah, well, OnlyFans kind of um, not killed my business, but gave me a lot more competition. Um, okay. like I say, the cost of production for porn well, for any filmmaking went down so much, but you still needed some like decent tech skills if you wanted to start your own website and sell content there. So basically they just allow you to sell content on their platform. It doesn't matter what content it is, but for anyone that's, that can take a selfie and sell some nudes or, um, some porn, you know, everyone has a phone, so everybody can do it. So instead of having, you know, maybe 10 competitors, I've now got like, you know, a hundred thousand or a million yeah. competitors, something like that. So I've had to change what I do because of OnlyFans, I'd say. So you've changed your business model to more of that type of a business model? Uh, I'm changing mine to something because I was just selling homemade porn as like, um, like that was my thing. Like a digital download or through Pornhub yeah. or one of those sites? Yeah, but I was selling on my own website, but now that porn is so common, like it's everywhere. So there's not really anything that makes it stand out. So in that sense, I have to raise my production values in order to differentiate myself. Whereas before I was probably quite lazy and just kept in my, in my quite narrow lane. So I haven't decided what I'm going to do yet exactly. I'm just going to be experimenting, most likely with cloves, actually, because I think style is one thing that people forget about. Do you film it yourself or do you hire somebody? It depends. When I started, I just filmed it myself and it was literally me having sex while holding the camera. As we made more money, we just paid other people to do it because the marketing content was so much more important than the porn content. But... I mean, the porn content needs to be good enough for people to buy it. But if you get enough people coming in, then, you know, it sells. Is there a pay discrepancy between men and women? Like, is one higher paid than the other, for example? Um, it's a good question. Um, a lot of feminists kind of say, 
oh, porn's the only industry where the girls get paid more than the guys. And it's kind of true, but if the guy also sells, like let's say he has a lot of gay fans, then that opens up an extra market to you. And sometimes the guy can be more valuable than the girl. But it's like mainstream acting. I think you get paid based on your numbers, really. Yeah. But it's nowhere near mainstream acting rates. Well, but do do you see too many people go from the adult film industry to mainstream? I know Sasha Gray was kind of big in the adult film industry and and she's kind of gone mainstream. Uh, Have you seen any of that or is it? Yeah, there's Chloe Cherry at the moment. She's in Euphoria. She has like a main character. Um, I filmed her on my website. She was just like a nice, normal girl. And I was surprised she got into acting. Um, That's great. And yeah, she's doing really well. And seeing her do well, I think, is encouraging others to believe in themselves and take acting classes. Um, Generally, I think porn stars have gravitated towards music. I think because... Like um, in the early 2000s, they tended to date rock stars and now they tend to date rappers. I think they've always gone more into the music side, which is like a bit cooler and a bit edgier. I think acting maybe is a bit more prudish when it comes to sex. Yeah, that makes sense. I can see that in that industry. I think it's changing. Well, how, uh, on the subject of change, have you seen much of it? I mean, I know you've been involved for what, nine years now, 10 years? And um, have you seen much of a change in the industry in that time in regards to, I know we had the hashtag Me Too movement a couple of years ago, that type of stuff. Yeah, the, the Me Too thing. Um, like I, I never worked in America before the Me Too movement, but just like knowing all my American colleagues when I shoot over there, it's so much more professional. For example, like, you know, directors, are not even allowed to socialize with models. And I oh, think really? there's, yeah, there's a really good understanding of um, like power dynamics and how bad that is for business, I think. Whereas in Europe, things are still very sleazy. Okay. <laughs> it's just in Europe that we don't have a Me Too movement. Um, we are very far behind as far as women's rights go in Europe. Okay. Uh, including in Western Europe. Uh, on that subject, so do you have any advice, maybe, for, especially I would say for women in regards to if they want to get in the industry and making sure that they're speaking up for themselves or setting limits, any of that type of stuff? Yeah, I think I always say to people that um, the best thing they can do is to contact a porn star that's been around for a few years, one they like, and just talk to them. Like people in this industry are incredibly helpful. Like everybody kind of looks out for each other. It's like a kind of weird family vibe because it's a very small industry. So everybody knows each other. Um, but yeah, the, if when you're new to, like if you're new to acting, I imagine there's lots of agents and weird sharp business practices that you can fall for. Like, I don't know, getting a percentage of profit instead of revenue is uh, it's the classic one, isn't it? So Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you get your name, your name in the credits, and it's like, yeah, that <laughs> yeah. doesn't actually pay the bills. Yeah, I mean, people are people. They're going to exploit ignorance. It's just when there's sex involved, it can also become a crime. I'm curious if the casting couch culture is more prevalent in my industry or yours. That would be an interesting thing to find out. I would have assumed yours 
but maybe not. Maybe it's the I would opposite. think maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. It could it would be an interesting thing. I wouldn't if there's some way to do a study on that. Yeah. I, I think in European porn we know who the bad people are and sadly there's nothing we can do about them because nobody will speak out. And we need the girls to speak out. So there's I think like four or five in the whole industry, I'd say. But when I talk to like mainstream models, uh, I, like mainstream actresses, I think maybe it's more common to like go for dinner with the director. And Yeah, I guess it's a question of the purpose of the dinner, because I think in more mainstream stuff, it directors like to meet their cast, their actors, because it's because uh-huh. you want to know if you can work with that person because you're going to be spending weeks to months with yeah, that person. Yeah. And if they're a complete pain in the ass, you, you might not cast them for that. So I know that's uh, a good director. That's the purpose of something like that. It's, yeah. it's the, uh, it's the bad one. That's the, uh, well, you know, if you come back to my place after dinner, I'll make sure you definitely get cast in this kind of thing. So, and it's also humans that people sometimes are going to have some feelings and like, who's exploiting who, like, that's the thing. I've known girls in the porn industry and they'll say, yeah, yeah, I was sleeping with him because I just thought I might get more work. <laughs> just like, just like, did you? No. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's the piece of advice for anyone listening is that does not necessarily mean you'll get more work and usually doesn't affect it at all. Uh, I, I'm sure I would imagine both industries are probably the same on that. Yeah, I think it can affect it. I think as a producer, it's kind of, it's trickier. Like I, I have dated people that work for me uh, just twice, and uh, it didn't feel good. You know, there's always this like doubt: Are they just seeing me because they want something? And then you think about like the reputational damage, and um, okay, well they're gonna just like say to all their friends, "Oh, you have to sleep with him to you know to get work and. So even if I like someone or have some feelings for someone, you know, it's natural to kind of get affectionate with people that you like. Uh, I just don't anymore. It's it's just such a bad thing to do, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. And especially it helps keep everything professional and, and above board. Yeah. Is it harder for men or women to get into the business? It depends. It depends how open-minded the guy is. <laughs> I'd say if you're a guy, the easiest way to get started is to do gay porn. Uh, it doesn't, you don't have to be gay to do it. <laughs> a lot of, most of the guys are not, you know, they're doing it for their money. So, but a lot of guys, they don't want to do that. So the other way in is to, you know, if you're maybe dating a porn star, because it's going to be really hard for someone to take a chance on you. Why is that? Is it just you get the guy on set and he can't perform, it's much more noticeable um, versus a girl? Most guys are terrible performers. Um, I don't know if you, if you have a lot of female friends, you'll hear that most guys are terrible in bed. <laughs> and if you stick a camera on them, I think it's going to be the same then as well. So you need them to actually be good at performing good at following and having sex on a porn film. It's different to having sex in real life. It's, it's not very intimate because there's you're trying to avoid shadows so you're not really touching it's just genitals touching and that's about it and you're kind of in funny angles so that the camera can see what's going on 
it's hard. It's really hard. It's quite athletic, very awkward positions. They can be very painful. Plus there's the people watching, there's the pressure. Um, in the past, it was, uh, most people would fail. They wouldn't be able to like get hard or stay hard, or they wouldn't be able to finish at the end. But these days, most people inject a drug directly into their penis. Wow. Uh, called Cavaject. And it's a drug that was invented for, say, paraplegics so that they can still have sex with their wife. So they just inject it. It goes hard and it stays hard and they put another injection in and it goes down. It's a shockingly dangerous drug that does so much damage to the guys in the industry. But I guess it's their dream to be a porn star and a lot of people are doing this job that maybe shouldn't do it. I don't know. It, it's crazy to me, but there's some people are natural, but not many. Okay. That's interesting. Uh, so not even like just pop a Viagra, literally. An a Viagra wouldn't penis. work. No. If a Viagra might give you some um, confidence, like a mental crutch, but if you're nervous, nothing is happening. Okay. Like the, the guys that don't inject, like the job they do is so high pressure um it's incredible what they do to, to be able to perform on camera it's so so hard i would imagine so and then just having like yeah complete control and being able to start stop start stop yeah, all that yeah, kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. so is that damaging long term to their schlong to be injecting like that even short term it can be hmm. and these guys are flying that drug doesn't react well to um cabin pressure for example so it's not a good thing to be flying with and then using Guys are sometimes used too much. Um, the, the thing that can happen is that the blood stops flowing and they have to go for surgery. Yeah, a lot of guys have done a lot of damage to their dicks. Jeez, just to make some money in the industry, huh? Yeah, it just must be a dream. I don't, yeah. I could, don't understand how anyone can put themselves through that. Clearly, they shouldn't be doing the job if they can't work without it. Yeah, I agree. But I guess if you look at sports... You know, there's a lot of examples of similar stuff in other industries as well. So, yeah, calling it a performance enhancing drug is kind of funny, but it, it is because <laughs> it really is. Yeah. But, and to be fair, these guys, the typical porn performer, especially in Europe, is so full of steroids and testosterone that maybe that's the reason it's, they need this injection as well. For a guy, does size matter in the, in the industry? Oh, that's a myth. Um, is it really? Like, it's fine if you're normal, you know? If you're bigger, maybe you'll get a bigger following. You'll sell more easily. Like, your niche would be that you're big. Um, but you don't have to be. Um, and sometimes, you know, an everyman can sell more. Like, uh, if you're, like, a fat, hairy, older guy with a small penis, you know, that's quite interesting. You can get a big fan base because people are like, wow, if he can be with these girls maybe i can okay. and also if you have a beautiful girl with a very ugly man she looks more beautiful there's like a contrasting approach so i think things like that are interesting to play with actually okay and you know they say there's a market for anything like any everything anything. yeah everything i even found scuba diving porn recently <laughs> got started and literally they just film porn underwater including in the sea with full in scuba the sea gear. even oh geez yeah, yeah. 
around into oh, a jellyfish. That's disgusting. Sorry, it's, I know yeah. people are into that, but the ocean is a cesspool of disgustiness, in my opinion. <laughs> like, I don't even, I barely like to swim in it. Uh, so. No, even more so. Yeah, 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 even more so now. I can accept hot tubs and pools, uh, but I question, uh, I question the ocean. But again, to each their own, to each their own. I'm, yeah, that, that's everything. Yeah. Um, how do you respond to some of the, like the criticism of the industry? Like it's degrading to women or people have daddy issues and, you know, notice it's always directed to other women, by the way, too, like they have daddy issues versus a guy that has mommy issues or whatever. Yeah. I, I always think, look at gay porn, the scenarios are much more adventurous, much more degrading because they're really open with their sexuality and like in the LGBT community, they celebrate sexuality. They embrace fetishes. They don't judge each other. They just enjoy themselves, like whatever they're into. And I think a bit more of that in, it's only on the straight side that they say that. It's just weird desire to protect women from, you know, most women I know are much kinkier than men. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I'd say so. Like, I think the no most common female fantasy is actually rape fantasy. But rape fantasy is not rape. You yeah. know, it's it's very different. It's just playing with scenarios and different psychologies. And the same with the daddy issues thing, you know, it takes two to have sex and to have, you know, and all this stuff is consensual. It's, I think the criticism is just usually from Christians trying to protect women. Yeah. and But they never try to protect men from these things which I think if they really believed this, they would also criticize gay pornography too. I think if they did, they would probably be called homophobic or something, or they would just highlight how ridiculous their arguments are. Yeah, that's a good response. Um, VR porn. So I know oh. this is kind of an upcoming thing. I went over to a friend's house and, and he had the, the Oculus or whatever. And he's like, dude, check this out. It's on my head. And suddenly I'm like, holy crap. Uh, so... You know, have you experimented with this area much at all? Um, you know, they've been trying to push this on us for so many years. I remember the first year I was in the industry in 2013, I was at an awards show and I think I saw one of the first like VR porn scenes. But I don't know, I, I didn't, I didn't like it really. I felt quite distant from the action. Yeah, I felt like I wasn't close enough to the action somehow. Whereas I think just regular POV porn is kind of gets the same effect, but without putting, you know, some goggles on. <laughs> without the nausea of the, the virtual yeah. reality experience. <laughs> yeah. I mean, consumers rejected 3D. Like they didn't want to wear some glasses. So I don't see big take up of VR yet. I don't know if you see it in mainstream but i mean no it's the same thing people keep talking oh this is the next big thing this is ne oh look so and so just made a film that you know you go to the film festival and watch it in this vr system but same thing it never catches on and yeah. there's multiple reasons of course obviously the nausea that a lot of people get from the frame rate 
Um, and you know, whether there's still more there that can be improved or whatnot, but so maybe someday, but, but I'm, I'm kind of with you. I, I want to, if I go to watch a film, I want to sit back. I want to see it on the screen in front of me. Um, I'm used to seeing certain things and so far new technology hasn't made it interesting enough for me to want to change and start using that new technology. Yeah, for me, it's purely like a comfort thing. I mean, I wear glasses in my in my real life, and I don't like wearing glasses. They're annoying. They distort my vision. Everything's a bit smaller than it should be. So I prefer contact lenses. So maybe if they invent 3D contact lenses, which <laughs> a bit, might be more comfortable, or um, VR contact lenses, maybe that would be good. But or until they can inject content directly into our brains, I think I'll stick with film. So uh, uh, before we wrap it up, tell me a little bit about your podcast and website, because I listened uh, to some of it and I was kind of scrolling around your website and I found it kind of interesting because it wasn't just like, hey, click here and watch a video. There was written content on there full of uh, yeah. advice. Yeah, that's kind of my thing is um, like people think porn is bad and that you don't learn anything from porn, but I, know, I think you can, right? So I try to provide like sex education for men. Um, sex education sounds quite boring, but just sex advice. Um, just, I like writing about sex and yeah. And then there's porn there as well. But yeah, like I said, about 90% of the stuff I do is not porn. The porn's just there if people want to pay for it. And the podcast is um, new and quite fun uh, called I Hate Porn, which the number of messages I get saying, do you really hate porn is making me regret choose that title. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but if you listen to the podcast, he clearly does not hate porn because <laughs> yeah. uh, it's basically just talking to people in the industry uh, about it. Yeah. I think there's a lot of things that people don't realize. I think people are quite fascinated with how it works and um, we try to get porn stars to open up and say how things really are like the good and the bad. Um, it's not all rainbows. Yeah. Well, like I said, I, li I listened to a few episodes, so I thought it was good. Uh, and, and I, and I, I liked how you're right, how open a lot of the people were in talking about it, um, in the industry and, and their experiences in it and stuff like that. And I think it's good to hope, you know, continue changing the perception of the industry. I think it has changed a lot, uh, from some like back room, throw a quarter in a slot and, and, you know, make sure you don't drop the quarter on the floor. Cause it'll stick kind of place to where now people are more accepting, uh, of, of the adult film industry. Yeah. And I think going forward, the things that I'd like to see is, um, like recently there's been a revival in quality of photography and we've seen like good mainstream photographers working for porn companies and i'd like to see someone with some filmmaking skills actually making porn because okay, we don't have that we don't have mainstream uh, cameramen directors and editors working and it, that's like the weak bit sometimes you see these incredible photos then you see the porn and it's just you know, they don't even color. Balance, Not very so. well shot. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. uh, how do people, how do people break into the industry? That's the problem. Like most of the cameramen used to be performers, I'd say. Mm. So it's like, they don't actually know how to work the camera. 
They don't know how to direct. They've never learned to. They've just learned from whoever was directing them, who was also probably a performer. It's a very incestuous industry. Uh, and some people have very good reputations for producing amazing porn in the porn industry, but it's not that good. You know, they just, they just have a reputation because of who they are and they've built up a name. And how do you get in? I don't know. I think the, the only way to get in is to just start doing your own porn. <laughs> um, usually you can try and get jobs for others. Uh, maybe some people would hire you, but it's really hard. There's not many people doing it. There's a uh, festival and I'm from Seattle originally, and there's a festival that they do basically a porn festival. And it started off the first year and the, the concept was be a porn star for a day. So people could submit a short porn film. They'd screen it at the festival. They were super cool. strict, like no phones, no, you know, so like if you just want to do that, it gets shown and then they delete all copies of it and stuff like that. And I remember like the first year it was like just one day, everything sold out. And then they're like the next year I they expand it to a couple more days. And now I think it's almost like a week long event. <laughs> like, I don't know how many wow. days it goes on now. I haven't heard about that before. Yeah. It it's in Seattle and it's called, um, I can't think of the name of it after at the moment, but it's, uh, I would look it up. Um, Dan Savage, he's a, uh, a writer, um, he's a gay, gay columnist and he does books and stuff and, and advice column. I know of him. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of him. Yeah. Yeah. It's very and funny. he's, he's the one who puts it on every year. Um, okay. so if you look up Dan Savage porn festival, Seattle, it'll come back, whatever it's called. I can't think of it. Yeah. Is. I'll have to check that out. Sometimes people in porn try to do mainstream things. Like one of my friends, she's a very successful porn star, very artistic. She financed um, a mainstream film that was also porn and exhibited it at festivals and things. But she said it was just like an exercise in losing money, really. I think she I lost a lot so. of it. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, Tommy, it was fantastic talking to you. Thanks for all this information. Uh, is there any so website or anything that you want me to mention to uh, if people want to uh, see what you're working on? Yeah, I think if people want to find me, maybe search for the um, I Hate Porn podcast. It's available everywhere. So, And from there, you can find everything if you want. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> everything that you could want. All right. Yeah. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. No, thanks so much. So after after we stopped recording there, you said something <laughs> that I actually think was really interesting. So I started recording again. Uh, so what were you saying about like the, the value of having like a camera or a safety person there? Yeah, like in porn, because of the Me Too thing, we have like we now have like a model liaison. So she's just there in case the girl wants to complain about something or something just to make sure everything's consensual. Um, but then also on the other side, like when I'm filming in America, I have a dash cam that films everything from when the model arrives to when she goes, because the truth is that, you know, people can lie. Um, and I've had it with a friend um, where a model accused him of using the N-word, but he didn't. And luckily he had dash cam footage to prove it. And, um, you know, some people... Yeah, you know, people, some people do lie and that's just the truth of it. And of course it like keeps your production team in check as well. So I don't know. Yeah. I think that's great advice across the board. I mean, it, it keeps everybody in check so that that yeah. way there's, and there's no confusion because, and not even maybe intent, maybe she did think that he said it, 
uh, yeah, because you know how our memories are. Exactly. Um, So stuff like that is handy just to be like, you know, I didn't. You can see here, so you know to clear up any confusion as well. So, and dash yeah. cams are so cheap now. Sit so you know, it in a corner, set it to record, and and you're good for the day. Yeah, and I think just more transparency, the better, really. Absolutely. It's-